1: please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Pop Torah, the podcast where we look at pop culture from a Jewish perspective and look at Judaism through the lens of pop culture. As always, we are your hosts. I am Rabbi Michael Knopf. And I am Rabbi
0: Jesse Olitsky.
1: And today we are talking about the new Disney Plus MCU streaming series, I guess limited series, uh, Hawkeye. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Marvel
0: fanboys in the house. Let's- today is a great day, Mike. We are recording this. We're all full spoilers. We are recording this after seeing the first five of six episodes. We have not seen the finale yet, so just an FYI. We'll see if our predictions are right. And today is premiere day for Spider-Man No Way Home as well. So I am full of MCU excitement today. Can you tell in my voice?
1: I, I can tell. You're you're in it. You have I- that
0: Peter Parker level... Uh- Whiz-bang energy going. Better the Peter Parker level than the Clint Barton energy because his energy is a bit lackluster.
1: Yeah. Although maybe, maybe
0: Kate Bishop energy. Uh, Kate Bishop has great energy. Um, This
1: series- uh, is, how, about, how about this? How about uh, Yelena Romanoff eating mac and cheese with hot sauce energy?
0: See, I will forgive you. Her name is actually Yelena Belova because they were not actual sisters. They were oh, fake right. sisters uh, for those who have seen the Black Widow movie. Um, this series takes place uh, a year after Endgame, so in the MCU timeline, that is Christmas time, 2024. Uh, it is a Christmas action comedy, uh, a little bit like Die Hard, in fact. Um, and it's it has some Die Hard-esque elements. It, it is based on the uh, No Gruber, though. Uh, no Hans Gruber. It is based on the Matt Fraction, David Aha comic book run, which is really one of the best comic. Uh, book runs. Uh, I-, I bought the anthology, uh, one of the, the best comic books I- I've, I've read. Um, and- Although I, I
1: hear this, what I hear about that is that uh, the, the show has made, you know, not only has the MCU made uh, divergent choices about the character of Clint Barton and Hawkeye from the, uh, from how he appeared in comics, but also Kate Bishop, um, uh, the Kate Bishop character is substantially different in the show as she appears in the comics
0: she's she's somewhat similar clint Barton is is much different i mean we'll, we'll start off with clint parton and the mcu as a whole hawkeye has kind of been like the one who got made fun of for most of the mcu it's like this guy is an avenger right like what is his role as an avenger what is his superhero um the mcu version of hawkeye is mostly like the ultimate's Uh, comic book run of Hawkeye uh, where he's more of like a a trained assassin with a bow and arrow and that's really what he was in this cinematic universe where that's cool but next to a guy with an arc reactor in his chest and a suit of armor, a guy wh- who's like turns into a big green monster because of gamma radiation, a guy who's a super soldier, and an Asgardian god, uh, what is the role of, of this? Listen, even Black Widow is a trained uh, a- assassin who could kick Clint Barton's ass. So like, what what is his real role? Um, he's much better, actually, in the MCU, after watching this series, uh, he was there, there. was a lot of criticism about the fact that he had this family on a farm hiding that you find out about in the in Age of Ultron, and then in at the beginning of Avengers Endgame, he becomes the Ronan character, who's a, a, a hooded vigilante who goes after uh, uh, organized crime groups. Because- Which is, by the way,
1: uh, let me just let me just insert in into here. Um- That was the recommended part in Avengers Endgame for people to go use the restroom. It was the Ronin scene. Because, you know, three-hour movie, whatever, right? You need to use the bathroom. You had a big soda, you know, in the theater. Like, use the bathroom. Okay, it's a really action-packed movie. Wall-to-wall action. Like, there's no good moment. The best moment is the Ronin scene in Avengers Endgame.
0: Right, Uh, um, which they've really better understood who ronan is as a character uh, in this series just a backup so this series takes place uh clint Barton takes his kids for a holiday vacation to new york city they go to see the premiere of rogers the musical a musical based on uh steve rogers captain america's life and the avengers it, it, with a nod to hamilton um it is uh, re- really glorifying and retelling through musical theater the events of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, it's funny that he's the only one who, who showed up. Uh, we don't see any Bruce Banner there. We don't see any uh, other superheroes. It's also funny of noticing that they changed the story and change history. They throw Ant-Man in there. Um, and you can see that he's dealing with a little PTSD every time uh, when he sees Natasha Romanoff uh, or the character who plays her on stage. He has to step outside uh and in the meantime we're introduced to kate bishop kate bishop becomes the new hawkeye in the comic books of the young avengers uh and she is somebody who grows up with a lot of wealth a lot of money and she is trying to figure out this sort of skeevy fiance of her mom's and um uh she follows him into an underground auction where it it it's uh, blown up by the tracksuit mafia, uh, who also appear in the comic books. They, they're in the comics of the tracksuit Draculas, but uh, they are super funny in the comics and in the show. Just saying bro all the time. They have a, a uh, moving company, a front, which is a front for their operations, which is called Trust a Bro Moving Company. Uh, and um, she finds the Ronin suit, she wears it, and then the tracksuit mafia thinks Ronin is back, and then he has to deal with it because he was Ronin, and he wants—he doesn't want people coming after him or his family. Sends his kids home, he starts finding who's wearing the Ronin suit, finds out it's a kid, it's a 22-year-old Kate Bishop, and then they end up trying to figure out what the tracksuit mafia is after, Echo, who is the current leader of the tracksuit mafia, who she's pretty kick-ass. She is uh, a, a, a deaf um, leader of the tracksuit mafia. Um, this is actually pretty impressive. The first um, film or television work that Alakwa Cox has ever done. Um, uh, she is death in real life. Uh, she is also um, is, has, uh, is missing a leg. So that's why that's part of the character. It's not part of the character in the comics, but part of the character in the MCU because uh, she also um, is missing a leg in real life. And uh, she comes after them because she wants revenge because the Ronan killed her father and, and attack the tracksuit mafia. Uh, we find out that they were after a watch from the Avengers compound. And all of a sudden there, there's something really interesting about that watch. We don't really know what that watch is about uh, Linda Cardellini, who was just the housewife for the previous movies. Plays a pretty interesting role. Starts speaking in German. The watch is important to her. Maybe she was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. at one point. We don't really know. She
1: does seem to care a lot about that watch.
0: She does seem to care a lot about that watch. This is the most I've been interested in her since so she broke up Tori and, and Topanga and Boy Meets World. Um, and uh, and then we find out, we have the return of Elena Belova, uh, the Black Widow, who is Natasha Romanoff's sister, who is hired at the end of the Black Widow movie by Val, Play by Julia Louis-Dreyfus to kill Clint Barton. And now we find out in the timeline, Val was contacted, it seems, by, spoiler alert, Eleanor Bishop, Kate Bishop's mother, to kill Clint Barton. Because he's getting in the way of their operation. Because it seems that she is actually behind the tracksuit mafia, behind their business. Uh, and we see at the end of episode five, a picture of her talking to... Kingpin, the return of Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin, last seen in the Netflix series Dare, Daredevil. That's a lot. It's kind of awesome. You, we have these three real universes in the MCU going on right now. We have the cosmic universe. That's very Guardians of the Galaxy, very Eternals. We have the magic uh Timeline multiverse going on. That's the Spider Man, Wanda, Maximoff, Doctor Strange world. And then we have the street level MCU. We saw that with uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier. And this is very street level. Like it's kind of cool that you could have, uh, you're worried about what reality you're in. You have King the Conqueror. And then you also have Kingpin going on at the same time. What do you think, Mike?
1: Wow. That was a lot. Um, So listen, MCU, baby. Let's go. (laughs) So uh I, I had a slightly uh different uh take and reaction uh uh than you did to this show. Um being a more casual MCU fan, um I is there such uh, a thing? <laughs> uh except for when it comes to Spider-Man, Spider-Man will always be uh very near and dear to my heart. Uh but the rest of the MCU, you know, I uh mostly kind of like yeah, I, I enjoy it, you know, whatever. Uh, and this show, um, I was probably, you know, the least excited about of all of the different MCU shows that that came out um, because Hawkeye to me was the least interesting of the Avengers characters uh, for, for, I think, understandable reasons. Sure. Uh, and, you know, the, when, when I watched the first four episodes, my reaction was this show is aggressively fine. Like it was fine. It was serviceable. You know, I enjoy, it was similar in a lot of ways to Falcon and Winter Soldier. I enjoyed Falcon and Winter Soldier more in a lot of ways because uh, I, you know, I, I liked, uh, the, the winter soldier character I find more compelling. Um, and, uh, and, and they were exploring, you know, themes, political themes that I thought were really resonant and, and relevant within, within that show. Not always, as we talked about in our episode of, on that show, uh, perfectly executed. There were maybe some, uh, issues of, uh, filming in the pandemic. We don't really know, but in any case, I, I was more excited about that. It was in the same vein as that. I was more excited about that. Um, and this one, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it. You know, we don't have anything else to watch. Uh, you know, uh, starting Thanksgiving weekend with with the kids and whatever, so I'm gonna gonna watch it. And um, so like I said, you know, I I found the first uh, four episodes to be watchable. Like it was it was you know sort of like mindless. Uh, fun. Um, I, I, I've always liked Haley Steinfeld. I think she's great in the show. Um, you know, Jeremy Renner's, I don't know. I, I have a problem with Jeremy Renner's face. Um, you can at me about that. Um, I just, uh, uh, you
0: know, he's, um, uh, he, he mumbles a lot. I just don't know if like, that's part of the character he's going for or what.
1: Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, you know, I, uh, um, it was not, not high it was not high on my list and then uh watching this uh most recent episode the fifth episode um really um deepened my appreciation for what the show is trying to accomplish and what it's really about um it uh it gave a lot more pathos to uh to to hawkeye i think that one of the interesting things that i know we're going to talk about this more uh, in, in this episode is uh is that you know this is probably the sh- the the instance in the MCU that i can remember the term superhero being uh used the most it's it's uh, that word is uttered m- more frequently in the hawkeye series than i think i've ever heard it being uttered before in the MCU uh and yet we are talking about people who are decidedly not Super. They may be heroic, although their heroism is is somewhat arguable. Which this episode really kind of tries to unpack. uh, Unpack. Like, what 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 does it mean to be a hero? You know, once you get branded as a hero for doing something good, um, does it automatically absolve you from anything else bad that you might do? Um, And and you know, is everything done in the service of heroism? inherently excusable i think that that's a really interesting idea. and
0: there's that amazing scene right the the show begins which i always love when the mcu flashes back to earlier events right so you knew when the show started episode one 2012 new york you knew it was going to be the the battle of new york right from the first avengers movie and they showed a kate bishop who was probably like eight years old and she sees hawkeye this ordinary guy uh, shooting with his bow and arrow, the the, the uh, chitari, and jumping off of uh, off of roofs, swinging yeah. into buildings. Diehard moment. Die hard moment. She, as a kid, saw him as a superhero. So, in the eyes of her as a child, he was flawless.
1: Right, right, um, and so you know, so in this most recent episode, there's a conversation that uh, Kate has with with Yelena um, uh, that that really uh, that, that really, uh, unpacks that and, and wrestles with that idea. Um, Yelena, by the way, uh, the, easily the best part of the Black Widow movie, which was, I think, more or less forgettable with, with, uh, no offense to the many talented people involved in, in making it. Um, but, uh, this latest episode really kind of uh, uh, deepens and uh, uh, makes more significant the events of of Black Widow in, in really interesting ways. So I- I'm actually now in a lot, uh, uh, in a much different place when it comes to the Hawkeye series than I was a week ago. Um, and I'm excited about where it's going to go in its last episode and what it means for the larger um, unfolding story of the MCU. You
0: know, I think what's really interesting, the the show... Is just as much about Ronin, the character of Ronin, as it is about Hawkeye. And I know that, Mike, you made the joke like, all right, that was the most boring part of Avengers Endgame. It also seemed to come out of left fields. Ronin is a really interesting character uh, in the comics. Uh, it's actually a character that many people take on the mask of Ronin. Echo becomes Ronin for a little while. It's almost mm-hmm. this this. Vigilante justice character similar to mm-hmm. Batman. Yeah, but the there's, Bat- a, there's
1: a scene in in episode five that that had very strong Batman bias. Yeah,
0: and um, the idea that Hawkeye became Ronan was really interesting, right? It's it's the idea of, of theodicy almost. Why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, and and trying to make sense of that. He, when the blip happens, the end of Avengers Infinity War, and we see at the very beginning of Endgame, the blip happening again to his family, where his wife and three children get dusted and he doesn't, he's sort of like, all right, half the universe gets dusted, but why did my family get dusted? And you see all these, it was totally random. Right. right. It, it, it was totally random. Why do all these terrible people survive? So he decides like, if my family got dusted, then you don't get to survive. And it's taking justice, good, bad, or otherwise into his own hands. But then now he has to deal with what he did. And that's been sitting with him, uh, both grief and shame and embarrassment. Uh, yet when Kate, it wasn't this big reveal. When Kate reveals it, you know, says to him in episode four, you were ronan weren't you uh he didn't say i'm sorry he just said like everybody else i did what i had to do to survive
1: right but he didn't do in that case what he had to do to survive right he uh he made a choice after uh after the snap um uh to uh you know that you know, to say you know listen nothing matters anymore or whatever um uh or to deal with his grief by uh, by killing for money um, and, you know, whereas other Avengers did different, did, did made other choices during that time. Like he could have plausibly done what-, right. uh, Cap- what Captain, the, America, what Captain was, America was did, what right? go, go to Grief counseling, yeah. Like grief counseling uh, or, you know, um, uh, what Black Widow seemed to be doing, which is like more superhero, like the world's still, people still need saving, right? Uh, you know, uh, so, so I'm gonna keep on doing the superhero game. Um, and he made a different choice, right? He said, my, you know, my whole family got got wiped out. Um, it's not fair. It's 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 horrible. They didn't deserve it. Um, and so nothing matters anymore, basically. Uh, and so, um, you know, it reminds me of uh, a story. One of my favorite stories in the Talmud uh, about uh, a rabbi named Alicia Benabuya. Uh, who's also sometimes called acher, uh, meaning the other. Um, and he is uh, taken on a field trip to heaven by Rabbi Akiva and uh, commits apostasy when he's there. Uh, and so a, a a divine voice goes out to say, you know, everybody is capable of tshuva um, except for acher, except for Elisha Benabuya. And he hears this and he says, well, since I've been uh, kicked out of the world to come, uh, I might as well enjoy this world, right? Nothing matters really anymore. So I might as well just do whatever I want. So he goes um, on Shabbat, um, and hires a prostitute. And the prostitute says to him, wait, aren't you the rabbi Elisha Ben Abuya? And he pulls a radish out of the ground and she says, oh, you must be someone else. And you know, the, the bad part of that story, like what he does that's uh, that's wrong in that story, I think, according to Talmud, is he pulls out a radish on Shabbat now that he hires a prostitute. But, um, uh, but anyway, it's this idea that like, okay, you know, um, my, my life uh, has been, sh- like everything that I believed has been shown to be a sham. And so therefore I'm gonna make a choice to act as if nothing
0: matters anymore. I mean, it's very cohelex in, in that yeah. regard, right? right? Where, where he's like, have a Liam, right? What, what's the point of doing anything? Um, although I do think, you know, some of what he was trying to do in this show was bury his past. Um, he wanted to get rid of the Ronin uh, so that he can move on. And I don't know if it's embarrassment, it which really interesting. Um, there, there was a theory that uh, the reason why Linda Cardellini's character of Laura Barton wasn't in New York was because they were actually separated because she was so ashamed of his actions as Ronin, but it's clear in this show, once you watch the show that she knows everything that he did as Ronin um, and, and is okay with that, that she loves and embraces the good and the bad of him right it's the broken tablets and the whole tablets that we both put in the aron. um we need to move on and can't move on until we put our full selves in there i think ultimately the show is about chuva and it's about uh hawkeye finding a way to get to the point where he can do chuva he can't do that until he acknowledges what he did he shouldn't have done, but he acknowledges it to the point where he said, I'm just a weapon, right? When they're sitting in the diner having breakfast, uh, I think that was episode three, when uh, he, he said to Kate Bishop, I'm not a role model. You shouldn't look up to me. And she's like, what do you mean you're not a role model? And, and when Elena Belova was trying to convince her that he's not a good guy, she's saying, oh, sure, he's not perfect and he's done wrong things, but he has good intentions. Um, and how do you, when somebody makes mistakes, how do you help them Understand that despite our mistakes, we could still be good people. Despite what we've done in our past, there's still an opportunity because that's ultimately what tshuva is. Tshuva is change, right? Tshuva is returning to a pure state of ourselves. It's acknowledging the past. You can't do tshuva unless you've acknowledged your past mistakes.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I mean, like, you know, Maimonides famously says that tshuva means that you're in a a similar situation as you were in when you first committed the transgression. and still, you know, have the you know mentally, physically able to commit the transgression again and make a different choice. Um, and, you know, first of all, what that means is that no one is ever really fully a chuva tshuva because uh, uh, because you you might you know just because you're in the same situation. Once and make a different choice doesn't mean that the next time you're in that same situation, you're going to also make a different choice, right? You could use you it's a perpetual state of of trying to become a chuva or trying to remain a Baal Tshuva, um or bhava chuva and not necessarily um, you know something that you accomplish. Um, but but you know, it also, you know, there, there's a different dimension of chuva. Uh, which is, you know, so first of all, like just on that level, I'm not sure that Hawkeye in this, uh, in this, in this series can really be considered a Baal Shuba. Like, does he, you know, is he really making altogether different choices about how he's going to live and act than he did back then? And arguably, hold on one second, arguably... Um, to be a superhero, this is something that was explored in, in Captain America: Civil War. Um, but to be a superhero means that you are um, you are making a decision to determine who is innocent and who is guilty, who is worthy of being saved, and who needs the who needs who deserves consequences for their actions, um, and and taking it upon yourself. Uh, or in a team of other superheroes um, to, to you know, to, to save who gets saved and to kill who needs to get killed. Um, you know, so that's what Hawkeye does when he's an Avenger. That's what Hawkeye does when he's Ronin. That's what Hawkeye does now that he's a retired Ronin and still, I guess, an Avenger, right? So he, um, I'm not sure that, uh, that there's ever fully, um, uh, chuva if he if he's really a Baal chuva in in this context because he's basically you know still doing the same thing. I mean I have a lot of sympathy for uh, for um, for Iron Man's uh, position for uh, Tony Stark's position, in Captain America Civil War that like like superheroes shouldn't be the ones who get to make the decisions about who lives and who dies.
0: Um, yeah, I mean when push comes to shove, I'm always team cap. so <laughs> like w- w- when you when you fought and beat the Nazis, you get to make the decisions uh, as far as superhero registry. Um, Well, this is,
1: I mean, this is, you know, this is the fantasy of, of, you know, comic book world is that you have like such a purely good person like Steve Rogers that, you know, gets imbued with these powers. And so, yes, if I could live in a world in which someone with that kind of moral compass had that kind of power, then yeah, I would give it to Cap, sure. Um, Hawkeye, I don't know, maybe less so. Uh, Tony Stark?
0: No, well, well, what's interesting, right? Look at Civil War. Hawkeye chose to retire, right? He chose right. to retire because he didn't want to sign the registry, uh, the, the, the the superhero registration act of the Sokovia Accords, and he didn't want to be on the run uh, with with Cap and uh, with Wanda and all this stuff. He ended up being on house arrest because he ended up helping them uh, in, in the end. You know, I think what's really interesting about the character of Clint and how. They've evolved his character. And this is where I think like the Disney plus series are really well. He had one really great scene. I think this is his best scene in the MCU up until the series, the end of age of Ultron, when he is this mentor figure to Wanda Maximoff, when Wanda just turned from, from villain to potential hero. And he says, listen, there are robots. The earth is flying in the sky And I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. But if you come out and fight with me, you're an Avenger, no matter what. Right? the idea that if you're willing to fight evil, that's what makes you an Avenger, right? Kate Bishop says it to Yelena Belova in episode five. She goes, but he's an Avenger. And Yelena Belova says, what does that even mean? If you're willing to fight evil, even if evil is subjective, right? You are an Avenger. We see that evil is subjective. We saw that in, in, in Winter Soldier when S.H.I.E.L.D. was actually a Hydra, right? That, well, that, that evil yeah. is, 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 what is evil is not always clear.
1: Well, so that's, I mean, you know, th- there's subtle uh, uh, hints about that in, in this show. Um, you know, he keeps on encountering messages. I think he even holds a coffee mug at one point that says Thanos was right. And he sort of shrugs. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because listen, I mean, first of all, that's a meme that's out there. Um, and, you know, Thanos makes a good argument <laughs> uh, in, in, in truth. Right. He's, you know, genocidal, I suspect. Right. But one person's genocidal maniac is, a, is another person's freedom fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so you're right that uh, that uh, that the MCU uh, does complicate issues of good and evil which actually to me underscores the challenge with being superheroes in the first place that the MCU doesn't really like, it sort of shrugs off that problem, right? It says, yeah, evil, good and evil are complicated, but we have, but we have superheroes too that make it uncomplicated for us.
0: You know, I, I don't, I don't know because Stan Lee famously uh, said that one of the things he did when he was making um The, you know, the Spider-Man's of the world when he was making these, I mean, these comic book characters, he was making flawed characters, right? That has allowed us to fall in love with the Iron Man's Um, that has allowed us to fall in love with the Spider-Man's because we see and are invested just as much. In the person when they're not wearing the mask, as a person when they are wearing the mask, and part of what's interesting about Clint Barton, unlike all the other characters, although, um, you know, from the very first Iron Man turned the story on its head, and Tony Stark ends the movie by saying, I am Iron Man. Um, from Clint Barton never wore a costume, right? The whole show, Click, uh, Kate Bishop's trying to get him to, war to wear a costume, uh, but he never did, uh, because who he was, the flawed human he was, what was more important. What Stan Lee had said, I was just looking for the quote. He said, even those who are superhuman and Clint Barton is not superhuman, but even those who are superhuman, they're still human. They were heroes, but still flawed. They weren't glossy do-gooders who never made mistakes. They were men and women with heart and humanity and their appeal was undeniable. And I think you, you see... Clint Barton wrestling with that heart and humanity. Uh, you see what's going on with somebody who just wants to have Christmas with his kids, and he's trying to deal with this person in the Ronin costume. You see it, to me, a change in the Ronin who slaughtered with a sword, uh, William Lopez, Ma- uh, you know, Maya is Echo's dad. Uh, and, and you see in that, in the flashback, and then you see at the end of episode five, he chooses to not kill Echo. Just to not kill Maya Lopez, he says, "Here's my face. Here's who I am. So you don't forget me. Stop coming after me, and I'll leave you alone."
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, uh, I we'll have to set aside Stan Lee's you know not so veiled swipe at Superman there, um, but uh, uh, because I think our our friend Henry Bernstein would would challenge that uh, analysis of Superman's character too, uh, uh, who who has an interesting um, psychology, but. But I think that you know ultimately what the MCU, the question the MCU asked, right, and this is you know laid out very um, directly in in Spider Man, you know, is you know does 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 great power always corrupt? Does it inevitably corrupt? Right. So that famous saying, you know, uh, you know, uh, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Right. And so the, you know, the, the, the world of superheroes, I think, you know, especially in the MCU where it's, you know, like real people who uh, get imbued with, with superhuman strength or superhuman abilities. And in a way, Clint Barton kind of does, right. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's way better than anybody else on earth at shooting arrows. He's got an eye that he, that, and an aim and, and capabilities that enables him. He's not, he's not a regular average Joe. Right, Um, he may have at one point been a regular average Joe, but he's got capabilities that most people don't have. But anyway, but the point is, but he's also and he has trick arrows. He has trick; they're not trick arrows, they're trick arrowheads. Um, (laughs) But uh, uh, you know, but he's also got superhuman friends, right? That 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 back him. But it but it you know raise it continues to raise this question, right? Um, You know, does if you if you have the capacity to um, to to uh, you know, to, uh, to, to kill or to save, right? How inclined are you going to be um, to do the right thing, uh, even if it is not in your own self-interest? It's really, really hard. And
0: I think what we see with the, these flawed characters, right? We see that with Clint Barron, is that at times he's failed and at times he succeeded. Um, I see he is at his best in a mentorship role. Um, you see that with uh, Wanda Maximoff, I think we see that with Kate Bishop here uh, that that, we see that in his relationship with Natasha Romanoff, although I would argue that wasn't a mentorship role. That was a friendship role because she was way uh, more skilled than he was. Um, But I I think we see um, to me that he's trying to teach and help others for the better. Um, That's ultimately what what he's trying to do. Um, He's trying to, Teach others and help others for the better. Um,
1: Yeah, you know. So let's. I want to talk for a moment about his relationship with Natasha Romanoff um, because that's obviously very present in in the series. And there are um, a couple of things that strike me about that. um, You know, for this, and the first is that we that we mentioned. You know, how do you uh, um, how do you process your your grief and and your sense of um, guilt. Survivor's um, guilt, right, right? Yeah, survivor's guilt, right? That that you know uh, he you know he volunteered to be the uh, to be the martyr uh, or to be the you know to be the death on um, uh, whatever that planet was where they had to get the, uh, um, the, Vormir. the
0: Vormir. Vormir. It, it, was, they, it, the, it the stone, was the soul stone. It, it was the soul stone, I believe, as yeah. Nebula calls it. It's not so much a planet as it is the end of the universe. I believe is what she calls it.
1: Sure. Right. Anyway, whatever. He volunteered to be the to be the uh, to be the martyr there, right? And uh, and Natasha sacrificed herself to save him, um, mainly because he had a family, right? He had like more to live for than she did. Although, of course, we now know uh, that she had a family too, uh, and or at least a version of a family um, that that you know now those chickens come home to roost in in uh, in in the Hawkeye series. Uh, but anyway, he's wrestling with with uh, his his guilt <clears throat> and his grief over Natasha. But also, what what kept on coming to my mind, especially in this latest episode, is you know uh, what has proven to be one of the most um, pivotal conversations, um, significant conversations in MCU from the first Avengers movie when Natasha is talking to Loki, um, and uh, and. Uh, and Natasha says, you know, I'm, I'm doing this because my ledger is red. My ledger has a lot of red, and, and I want to wipe it clean. And, uh, and Loki says, oh, no, you're, you're, I've seen your ledger. Your ledger not uh, is, doesn't have a lot of red. It's gushing red, right? It's bleeding red. Um, and, and it raises the question for her, right? Can If you've done a lot of evil in your life, if you've done a lot of bad in your life, can you ever make up for it? Right. can you ever wipe the ledger clean and get back to uh, get back to uh, uh, bases and in in some cases, in some senses right especially when you've done the kind of things that Natasha has done or that Hawkeye has done or that Ronin or that the Ronin did um, we are talking about essentially committing murder um, even if people are even if you're killing bad guys um, which wasn't always the case obviously for the black widow assassins um, but arguably is the case for the Ronin um, Outside of the legal system, what you're doing, and outside of war, I guess, right? What you're talking about is murder, right? You're you're killing people, uh, uh, however justifiably, and what that is a that is a crime that you can't take back, like you can't wipe that clean from your ledger. Um, that's one of the challenges. You know, whenever we, whenever I have a conversation with people about Jewish views of forgiveness and tshuva, you know, the question always comes up. Uh, and, and it often derails the conversation it goes to the most extreme cases right what about what about a nazi or someone like hitler right could hitler do chuva uh, it comes up when we talk about uh star wars too i always you know often do class like does darth Vader do chuva right he and, does right he, well he at the well, end at he, the end no, of i don't know if he does he 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 definitely uh um regrets the decisions that he's made, he decides that he wants to be good, but that can't make up for what he has actually done. Right? Nothing can make up for what he's—he's he's killed thousands upon thousands, maybe millions of people in the galaxy. Right? Hitler. Let's say Hitler was still alive, you know, living in Buenos Aires or wherever in, in Argentina, as you know, some some have speculated. Right?
0: And, as and- as was seen in uh, the 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 Amazon Prime show. That, that we reviewed last year about nazi hunters okay, called Hunter. right
1: so let's say right he says you know like i i made a terrible terrible mistake i regret everything and i pledge to be good from now on right um is that chuva
0: no it's it's a really interesting question because i would have said yes anybody has the ability to do chuva and then you throw in somebody like hitler and i'm like hell no um, and, and that's what's it's complicated. Like, where is crossing a line that that it's, that it's too much uh, that one can't turn? Um, well, I, I don't want to focus on specific individuals. I, I do think it's important to note that part of chuva is forgiving but not forgetting, right? It's not erasing what you did. Um, in some ways, right, what you did for a lot of worse, I was going to say for better or worse, but for a lot of worse, shaped you. Right? What you did is the reason you are who you are now um, which is not so good. But you you are who you are and you need to live that life and, and live that role in this world. And you can't change your past, right? I, I, I have this conversation uh, with um, people in, in the addiction world, those who are recovering addicts, right Recovering addicts don't call themselves recovering addicts. We do they call themselves addicts who have been sober for a certain number of days. Right. Right. Um, And and, um, they don't forget what they did in some ways. Remembering what they did is the reason that they choose to not take a drink today.
1: Um,
0: And, and I know that that's not necessarily the the perfect analogy, uh, but I think it's important to note because it's part of chuva for all of us is just trying to be better today than it was yesterday. Um, And, Uh, The Talmud says in Masechet Rosh Hashanah that on Rosh Hashanah, the book of life is open and the book of death is opened, and a third book, the the Ben Onim, right? There's a book of all those hanging in the balance. And it says, commentary says that even Moshe was not automatically written and sealed in the book of life. And even Haman was not automatically written and sealed in the book of death, that everybody hangs in the balance during the the days of awe, um, hoping to be written in the book of life. So right, even those who we as society say are are the worst, are, are the evil among evils, right? Are, are are the the um I mean we're talking about some serious stuff, so I don't mean to conflate it, but are the Thanoses of the worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, although you could argue that he had the right intentions, right? That that um they're according to Talmud, still not seen as so bad that they're automatically written and sealed by God in the book of death.
1: Yeah, so you you bring Thanos uh, up uh, in that conversation about you know what Kate Bishop says, you know, which is that like you know you uh, you're, you can be a hero even if you do bad things so long as your intentions are good, right? It, it, that sheds light onto you know this uh, recurring image in, in hawkeye of you know the thanos is right graffiti uh, or coffee mug that that hawkeye is holding right uh, uh, you know is is thanos actually a, a a hero uh even even though he killed half of uh, half of existence in the universe um because his intentions were good um it's a it's a really uh, intriguing question but what you what you brought up for me you know again I'll come back to maimonides you know, who picks up on that idea, right, that everybody is a Benoni, everybody's a, uh, in that middle category, or almost everybody's in that middle category. And he says, everybody should consider themselves uh, at all times as though they're perfectly balanced between good and evil. Um, and one righteous deed can tip their scales uh, to merit, and one, uh, uh, one negative deed, one, one transgression can tip their scales to, uh, to, to, uh, to, to incrimination, to guilt. Right, and so like every moment, right, is is a question of like what person you're going to be, what person you're going to become in that moment, right? And so that's you know that's I think raising um, people in recovery is, is a really good model because there, right, it's not about you know uh, an addict who has recovered, right, but a but but an a, an addict who today is making a choice not to drink or not to use. Um, that's true. I think of of all of us, right? There's there's no such thing. Um, it's a or it's a, it's a it's a myth of being a bal or bala chuvah, right? That's not a state. That's not a that's not a, a state of being. Like like, you, and I think to use the language of the show, right? Uh, hero isn't a label that that gets put on us. It's a decision that we make in each and every moment. We can choose to do something heroic right? Or we could choose not to do something he We right. can choose to do a, a good deed. We can choose not to do a good deed. We, the question is always open for us, whether in this moment I'm going to be a Balchuvah or not. And, uh, and, and then also Maimonides adds, right, we should also consider the world in the same way, that the world is constantly balanced uh, at all moments between, between good and evil, which means that one action on our part or, or, or inaction, Right, one statement or refu- or or, or a moment of silence in our part, right, can can tip the scales of the world. We can plunge the world into chaos with one deed, or we can uh, lead the world to redemption with one deed, and that choice is perpetually ours to make.
0: And you know, in that regard, then the the role of a Hawkeye in some ways is is more impressive. Well, he keeps talking about in the show that he was a weapon, right? That that shield used him. Uh, however they needed he was a weapon i I think it's a lot more impressive to see him choosing to be a superhero than to see thor choosing to be a superhero right than to see uh captain america choosing to be a superhero um all he had was a bow and arrow um and really good aim but but he, he chose to try to help people uh, try to make this world a better place, at least that's what we saw more often than not.
1: Well, right. I mean, it's it's the other side of the equation, right? So for someone like Thor or Captain America, right, the question is, you know, is the power that you have going to corrupt you, right? You, uh, you know, so Thor is arguably uh, uh, good and, you know, has to like own the sense that his power gives him responsibility. Um, which is not, which is an open question for him. Steve Rogers is a person who is committed to doing good, but once he gets power, um, you know, it could plausibly have gone in the other direction, right? So for someone like, uh, like Clint Barton, the question is kind of opposite, right? Do I want to, uh, as a relatively average person, do I want to um, embrace the mantle of power, knowing that it Comes with risks um, and uh, and and questionable morality in some cases, right? In order to use that power for good, right? So, uh,
0: well, th- well, that's right. That is the essence of the Spider Man story, right, which I kind of love. That in the Homecoming uh, trilogy, although I'll let you know if it happens in No Way Home, they have not said "with great power comes great responsibility" yet. They, right. they they've. Reference that idea in many different ways, but they haven't said those words that we famously hear Uncle Ben as he's dying say to Peter because Peter let Uncle Ben die because he didn't go after the guy who stole the money from the underground wrestling show that he was a part of.
1: Right, so his whole life as Spider-Man is, is in a sense like trying to make up for that, uh, for that failing. Right, um, he, you know, he, he was he didn't have superpowers, but he could have plausibly have uh, stopped the the guy from, uh, or at least brought him to justice. Um, and he didn't step up. Right. And that's uh, and that's question. Yeah. You you know, I think that they just made a deliberate choice not to use that line because it's become a cliche. But he says something similar in uh, in in Civil War, which is, you know, like when you have the ability to do what I do and the bad things happen, um, they happen because of you. Right. So that's also so I think that I mean, I found that to be uh, when 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 I heard Peter Parker say that in Captain America Civil War, I found that to be um, a very profound and also a very Jewish uh, teaching. Right, that uh, that that you know, we all of us have the capacity to do good in the world and to prevent bad things from happening in the world. Limited capacities, right? We're not necessarily going to save the world from an alien attack, um, but we have the capacity to do good and to and to turn from evil and prevent evil. And so the question before all of us, right at all times, is you know, um, are you going to live into that ability and um, and responsibility? Right uh, or or not, and if you're not, then those bad things happen because you made a choice to allow them to happen.
0: Right. Well, it's so interesting, and it's it's not just the people who are bitten by radioactive spiders who make that choice. It's every single human being. Right. It's the Clint Barton's. It's the Kate Bishops who don't have superpowers that make those choices as well. There's what's fascinating um, is the role that Larpers play in the show, live action role players what's most fascinating is that they're all emergency responders right that that they're referencing them that they're all uh, emts firefighters police officers uh one can argue heroes within society uh and yet they don't see themselves as heroes unless they have fought with weapons again a- against aliens because that's the world of, of the mcu um They don't see themselves as heroes doing what they do every day, and they want to live a life of of being a hero. And it's ultimately up to all of us to make the decision each and every day to see ourselves as a superhero or not. I just hope that uh, we all have somebody like Kate Bishop who will look up to us no matter what and see good in us.
1: Right, but you know, I just want to qualify that by saying, you know, reminding us of why it's important to do good in the first place, right? Inspiring us to be the best versions of ourselves, because you know, if there are people who are, I think about this with my children, right? That uh, that um, that, and I think that Hawkeye uh, um, or, or Clint Barton's character uh, uh, before Kate Bishop also, you know, sat with this, right? Which is that, like, um, you know. To do to, to do to be the person that your children see you as being to try to live up to how they see you in the world um, is a is a really profound challenge, right? So if you have someone who looks up to you like like a Kate Barton or a Kate Bishop, um, to to be able to say, okay, you know, like what can I do now that would make me worthy of the uh, of the admiration that this person uh, has for me.
0: All right. Last question for you, Mike. What's the deal with this watch from Avengers Compound that the tracksuit Mafia and I guess Kingpin wants so much? Whose watch was it? What does it do?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I I suspect it has something to do with with, with Linda Cardellini, which is uh, why she's so interested in it. Uh, But, you know, part of me feels like maybe it's a Tony Stark thing, Mm -hmm. uh, like the like the sunglasses in uh, uh, Spider-Man Far Far From from Home. home. Um, And part of me feels like it's maybe a a, a Steve Rogers thing. Um, I'm not exactly sure what uh, the significance would be if it's a Steve Rogers thing, but that would be my next guess. What do you think?
0: Interesting. I, I like the relationship with to uh, Linda Cardellini uh, in the comics. You just um, don't
1: bring Linda Cardellini into the MCU and don't give her anything to do. It's just not. Uh, right, and
0: up until this point, she really hadn't had much to do. It's an injustice. I, 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 I like in the comics, um, Clint Barton had a, a, a tumultuous marriage with bobby morse uh who was uh the shield agent mockingbird i wonder if this is the mcu's retconning of mockingbird and It's going to reveal that linda cardellini was in fact her um although i'm not sure why they would need want to steal the watch i think that it's maybe some stark tech uh, there was a scene in one of the movies where he used a watch i think it was in um civil war where he uses his rolex in order to turn it into an iron man blaster hand Uh, i wonder if this plays into the armor wars story that that will get as a disney plus show where it uh reveals that uh now all of a sudden kingpin has stark technology and what does he do with that when good technology gets into the wrong hands. I wonder if it reveals a list of uh, all of the um, scrolls that are in hiding in the universe. And, uh, that sets up secret invasion, uh, who knows what I'm most excited about. And we'll, we'll certainly. You raise, about- but
1: hold on just one second. You, I mean, you raise a really, really important question about the Stark tech that, uh, that the MCU has not really resolved yet. It was obviously a major plot point in, in Spider-Man far from home. Uh, but you know, in the aftermath of maybe Spider-Man, uh, no way home is going to address this, but in the aftermath of, uh of Mysterio's death and the reveal of Peter Parker as Spider-Man. Um, what happens to the fate of all that Stark tech? That
0: I will I years? will let you know. I Don't let me know. To talk no about spoilers. Um, but what's really exciting from a timeline perspective, Hawkeye takes place in New York at the exact same time that Spider-Man No Way Home takes place in New York. All winter, right. right? It's a fall, winter 2024 so with that in mind
1: and and of course, and of course, there uh, have been uh, rumors that uh, Charlie Cox, who played Daredevil in the Netflix series, was on set for Spider-Man: uh, Far From Home. Kingpin is a uh, legendary Spider-Man villain, which is True. how I'm most uh, most familiar with the character. So, who knows?
0: So stay stay tuned. What if the watch that Kingpin has is what opens up the multiverse, which brings in all the previous villains? from the other Spider-Man universes into Spider-Man No Way Home. Can't wait. All right. True believers, add us your thoughts, your comments. Let us know. Uh, Don't forget to uh, watch Hawkeye on Disney+. And until next time, I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky.
1: And I'm Rabbi Michael
0: Knopf. Take care.